Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Mandy. And we are Drama Bonded, a podcast where we bond over the drama and trauma in the Bachelor multiverse and throughout Western pop culture. Hi. Western pop culture today meaning Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> probably have to like live under a rock to have not heard of Scandaval um, at this point. Yeah. It's so interesting that... I've been a fan of the show for so long, and now it's, like, blowing up. It's kind of crazy. I remember the first night that you came over. I don't know if we were going to record an episode of, you know, just, like, uh, Zach's season or if we were just hanging out, but you were, like, losing your goddamn mind. <laughs> I know. And because- this was seriously, like, I don't know, March fourth or fifth. Like, oh, yeah. it was, like, as things were coming out, it was. It might have even been like March 1st or 2nd when the news broke. Like I and then just every time we met, you were beside yourself. Well, Jess is usually the person that I would talk to about this stuff, but she hasn't watched the show. And so it's hard when you're in the room with the person that you would normally be like gushing over the hot goss with and she just didn't know the players and so I just felt <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I want to tell you, but I can't. It's not an attack by any means. I loved it. It was that that like inspired me to sit down and watch. I made it through season seven. Holy shit. Jess has put in the work. I have. I've neglected everything else. No chores. Sleep. Be damned. I just, I've committed. Um, It's been worth it. I, so we're going to take the time today. One, just really quick to get it out of the way. We don't have a candy review. We're sorry for that. We'll make up for it somehow next week. Somehow, some way. Yeah, maybe two candies next week. Yeah. Twist my arm. Uh, But what we wanted to talk about today was just Vanderpump Rules in general. uh, What makes it the show that it is, how far it's come, what we think is potentially good, problematic. I don't know. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Uh, and then next week, which I know, well, that's when we'll get into the really juicy bits. And we'll probably touch on Scandaval today, but next week is where we plan on really going into depth with that and kind of talking about all the players and the layers. And <laughs> I'm going to come with timelines all because nobody shit. has oh, given us good timelines, and that makes me mad. Timelines. Okay, I do too. So we'll we'll yeah. put together timelines. We'll compare notes, and then yeah, so we'll. We will come with what we know to be the timeline as we understand it now. There is speculation that the timeline is different. I'm going to come with like a pretty substantial timeline, I think, beginning with maybe season nine. Yeah, I think that'll be good. And then, you know, we'll be sure to indicate what is our speculation versus what we know from Tom and Ariana. Um. And I guess Tom Schwartz, because weirdly, he's a player in this, too. And we might have more information after the second part of the reunion this week as well. Maybe. I have a feeling what's going to happen is Sheena's going to be on stage until, like, the last five minutes, and then they'll bring. That's true. But they still are showing us bits and pieces of those one-on-one interviews with Andy. They are. We haven't gotten. Okay, really quick. We haven't gotten any of Raquel. Why do people call her Rachel? Because her real name is Rachel. Oh, her stage name is Raquel. Yeah. And so now she has been demoted to Rachel. Oh, that's funny. Okay. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) We have not heard much from Rachel yet, though, to be fair. I I don't know how I feel about that. That's not today's podcast, so I'll let it go. But hopefully, yeah, we get some more information uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, But today, let's... For people who don't watch Vanderpump Rules, I kind of just want to discuss the premise of the show, what the show originally was versus what it is now. That's kind of what I think would be a good place to start. Yeah, for sure. So the beginning of the show, so Lisa Vanderpump and her husband are restaurateurs, and Lisa Vanderpump used to be on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I think her 
place on that show, she had leverage with Bravo to kind of pitch this idea for Vanderpump Rules. And one of her restaurants, Sir, S-U-R, which stands for Sexy and Unique Restaurant. I did not know that. <laughs> um, but one of her res- restaurants in West Hollywood called Sir, um, she had a group of people who were already friends, um, kind of working as servers and bartenders. These people were in their early to late 20s. I guess Jax was 30. Uh, yeah, I hate to break it, but the Toms and Jax were in their 30s. <laughs> were the Toms already in their 30s? They were close. They were like 28, 29. Yeah. So Jax was the oldest though, right? Yeah. You would never know it, but yes. Um. So they had this group of friends that were, were already, they had already kind of dated each other. The friend group was very incestuous. But all of these young people are working at Sir with the intention of becoming actors and models and just hoping to kind of, you know, get their break in Hollywood. Um, but the the thing that I think kind of, and I'm sure there's other reality television shows that have maybe utilized this to their advantage, but one of my favorite things about the show is that there's already history with this group of friends in season one. Right. You're not bringing in a group of strangers. I actually, so when I first started... You're not you're not starting with a group of strangers, and so you're getting a little bit more the actual inner workings. Yeah. I also took note. So the first episode, they interview Peter, who's not – he's the manager of Sir. He's not a big player, but he definitely interjects himself he's into things. He's throughout the show. I kind of hate him. It's fine. Anyway. Why do you hate Peter? I just think he's a shitster for the sake of it. I don't know. His shirts are too tight. I think he's kind of misogynistic. There's just some things about him that, like, he he has rubbed me the wrong way on several occasions. And to be fair, he is not on the level of all the other men that I hate I in this show. But, like, that's such a low bar, you know? So, like, okay. But anyway. I just think it's funny that you don't like Peter. It's Because he's, like Jess said, he's probably the least problematic only because he's not in the show as much. Yeah, he's not, he's not set up to be as successful. Um, so the way that he explained this was Peter dated Stassi. Stassi, at the beginning of this show, as we tune in, is now with Jax. Jax lived with Tom. Tom, and that's Tom Sandoval. Tom Sandoval is now with Kristen. Kristen is BFFs with Stassi and Katie. Katie also dated Peter. Katie is now with Tom Schwartz. Tom Schwartz used to live with Tom Sandoval and Kristen. Yeah, so when we say that they were <laughs> really friends and already had a history together, like very sorted, very involved, a lot of overlap. Yeah, and like they've clearly got a it, this isn't like a superficial relationship. Like people are living together, dating, like there's 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 history here. And they're all still a very tight group of friends, which is surprising because man, do they have drama. Yeah. And then in season 1, starting episode one, they bring in Sheena and that creates the kind of mean girl dynamic of like Sheena being the new pretty girl. But also Sheena is catching heat for, and this is something that I am tangentially aware of, for breaking up Brandy's. Who was also on Real Housewives. Marriage. But I just have to say that was not Sheena. That was Leanne Rhymes that ultimately ended that relationship for Brandy. And I think Sheena's just taking heat for it for the sake of the show. However, she did sleep with Brandy's husband. So that is why the girls are claiming to have issue with Sheena, though it seems more like they're just mad that here's this petite, yeah, pretty bubbly woman coming in. Sheena also worked at one of Lisa Vanderpump's other restaurants in West Hollywood called Villa Blanca. Yeah, and probably for the sake of a good storyline, they brought Sheena over and injected her (laughs) into this group, knowing full well she was not going to be accepted. Totally. Good television. Um, Yeah, I think for me, it was a little hard to get through the first season. Um, A lot of what I saw that was hard to, to like, bear witness to, uh, first and foremost, slut-shaming. Oh, yeah. Hugely. And I really… Just like that kind of, I guess also we should give the context of this show started in 2012. Um, Not to say that that makes any of this okay, but it just like sets up the time frame. I feel like 
we weren't as as a culture as on top of toxic masculinity, slut shaming. Oh, definitely not. Um, and to be fair, black women have been singing this forever. Just the rest of us were a little slow to catch up. Not to say that this hasn't been in the discourse probably since like the late 60s, early 70s. But, you know, the rest of us are a little slow to the uptake. Um, it's also like the amount of drinking, how everybody is just like absurdly skinny. So skinny. fit into the dresses. Somebody made the comment that you cannot be bigger than a size two, which just like kind of mind blowing. Um, there's a fair amount of like toxic masculinity. There's racism. There's an episode in season one called Not a Ghetto Bitch. And like when we use the term ghetto, what are we envisioning if not a black woman with nails, big hoop earrings, loud? And it's like that should not be what you evoke when somebody's behaving deplorably. Like just there's so many levels of this. And the first season was kind of hard for me to like wrap my head around. And I'm glad I stuck with it. And it's not <laughs> condoning any of these behaviors. I do. And Mandy and I talked about this. I think that you can enjoy something, even if it's problematic. I just think you have to have the ability to also step back and be extremely critical and call it out when you see it and be willing to like break down what's going on here. So, you know, season one was rough. It, it also, all of this continues throughout. I was going to say, I think the whole show is a little rough <laughs> on a lot of those scenes. I just became very quickly desensitized, I guess. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so that that first season, we just moved through mostly Jackson Stasi's relationship. Oh shit! What a roller coaster. Yeah, it's it's so hard to watch the men in this show. Like Jacks, particularly with Stasi, because she's twenty two, twenty three, twenty three, and he's thirty three. Yeah, so ten years older than her, and he's just. I mean, he's incredibly toxic. He refuses to take accountability. It's just kind of wild to watch. And it's sad because she's just, I think he really gaslights her into making her feel like it's on her and that there's nothing wrong on his end and that she's just crazy and everything's fine and it's not. And she lashes out and she shouldn't lash out. Like Stasi has gotten in trouble throughout all of this, like for her bad behavior and not to like justify it. But it is just interesting to like watch that dynamic and understand why she's lashing out and having such a hard time. Well, it's also interesting because being 10 years apart, they're in basically the same place in life. And I think Stassi's always kind of holding that against Jax. Like, you're older. You should be better. Like, what are you doing with your life? And I mean, not that Stassi is someone that we should admire. No. But she is, <laughs> they are kind of on the same level of emotional maturity. and. You just want to kind of shake her and be like, dude, run. Like, he is not your person. Get out of here. <laughs> you are already, like, better than him, and you're 10 years younger than him. And I guess something that we should discuss is, like, the reason that we're that everybody is working at Sir is they all have side gigs. Like, they want to be actors, models, singers, yeah. whatever it is. They're all trying to make it in Hollywood. And the fact is, you have to pay the bills. And it's not cheap to live there. And so another element of the show that really drew me in was you've got these people doing this reality TV show. And then they go back to their shitty apartments. Yes. And, like, driving. Tom Sandoval can't even drive. He got his license revoked because he had too many parking tickets and other things. So he has to ride his bike everywhere. Like these people are just, it's like this weird mix of basic apartments with um, broken Ikea furniture. They don't even know how to put Ikea furniture together. It's, it's so weird. And just the juxtaposition of like the glamour of Lisa Vanderpump and this idea that they work in West Hollywood and then kind of up against this, like, their actual reality of, like, they're broke as shit. And, you know, they're not really actually living a glamorous lifestyle, but they're committed to the idea that maybe one day they'll make it. Um, so the contrast between season 10 and going back and watch – I started rewatching season one um, when Jess started – is crazy because, like you said, I kind of forgot that they were doing modeling gigs and auditioning for shows and all of these things because – like, nobody has really taken that anywhere in the show. No, And they've they all haven't. just kind of gotten famous by being on the show. Mm -hmm. So 
it was fun to be reminded of that, like watching Kristen rehearse lines, um, watching Jackson Schwartz at modeling shoes. Sheena in the recording studio. Oh, yeah. Sheena doing her pop star moment. Like, you kind of forget that that was a main component of the early seasons because nobody really ends up getting their big break. They get famous by just staying on the show. Yeah. None of the Toms or Jacks become models. Sheena's not a pop star. I'm not saying that they aren't successful. Like, Stassi hasn't been on the show for a few seasons, and Stassi is still very relevant and successful. Well, she's written two books. Kristen Doty has also written a book and has her T-shirt company, which I checked on, is still up and running. Stassi is on her second tour, pregnant with her second child. Um, Katie and Ariana are opening a sandwich shop in West Hollywood. And we both know the Toms are part owner, well, 5% owners in TomTom and now have Schwartz and Sandy. So I'm not saying that they're all not successful. I'm just saying that none of them have gone on to become famous actors or models or, so it's just funny to think about where they started versus like where the show shows them now. Yeah. I I guess James is trying to make it as a DJ and he's still really pushing for that. Sandoval's a liar. Yeah. And I don't know enough. My my knee-jerk reaction is to always make fun of DJs, especially white boy DJs. Like, I don't know. But I I guess credit where credit's due. Like, he seems to be doing pretty well for himself just, like, locally and is probably making more money than I am, even if you consider the cost of living difference between here and California. So good for him. I want to go to see you next Tuesday. <laughs> for sure. We definitely need to just go to California, even if it's for the weekend, and just eat at all of these restaurants. Maybe not. Vanderpump? (laughs) I don't think Schwartz and Sandy's, but… Nick's podcast crew went there on Saturday, and they were talking about it. Oh, that's kind of fun. I just don't want to support them financially, but everywhere else I'll go. I think I would go for research purposes. (laughs) Right, and then leave a one-star review on Yelp. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Um… So yeah, I think that is a really interesting juxtaposition in that as I have been watching it, I think the they've alluded to letting those careers go. Like Sheena has kind of come around and said, oh, I didn't actually want to be a pop star. I just wanted to have fun and have a hobby. And I don't know if that's true or not. Both the Toms have kind of accepted that like they're just not in it to win it as models. Jax is, I mean, just, I don't know. His poor face. He he has not got that model face anymore. No. I I didn't we never got a clear answer at one point. Jax not only has like a broken nose, there's like something that they had to take from his ear, and then he's got this massive gash in his forehead. I read that what happened was is Tiffany, who he was one of the girls he was dating. And set him and the Toms up with, like, a suite in Las Vegas. And then Jax proceeded to have sex with another woman in the bathroom. She threw a glass at his face. And it broke. Oh, And so that's kind of why he had to have, like, all that additional work. So it wasn't because of a deviated septum? Well, the the original nose job, yes. The, like, second, third (laughs) nose job, no. That was because he made… Well, he probably deserved it. Oh, 100%. Good for Tiffany. Yeah, I also would have thrown a glass at Jax. Um, but yeah, uh, they have not really amended any of their deplorable behavior from season one to now. No. Which Even is also they're all in their 40s now. Yeah, Peter Pan syndrome, man. It's wild to watch the women grow and change. Yeah, I and was like, going to say that. The men kind of regress and the women have to mature and deal with the men regressing. Yeah, and I… I think that's actually one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the show. Watching it from the beginning to now is the growth or lack thereof for people and kind of seeing the way that that does play out. I think about this in terms of how I was in my early 20s. And if somebody followed me around, my life was not that dramatic. I don't drink as much. However, I think I definitely engaged in really problematic behavior, had stupid ideas, said dumb things, was mean. And, you know, if I were to have a 10-year arc on a reality TV show, I would hope that we could see growth. And you do see that from the women, and that is really fun to see. And I think that the relatability of everybody is something. And by everybody, I mean mostly just the women. It's, it's, it makes it engaging. It, uh, it's worth 
it's worth watching for that arc, I think. Yeah, like, for example, I think Katie Maloney was always probably one of my least favorite people on the show. And I, I remember, in especially in, like, the mid-seasons, probably, like, seasons, like, three through seven, Katie was always kind of painted as the bitch, and she wasn't very well-liked by the fan base. Um, but it's crazy because now Katie would definitely be one of my favorite people on um, season 10. And I partially wonder if that's because she finally left Schwartz and Schwartz was kind of, I'm not, I mean, I don't, I don't want to simplify it to the, just this, but I kind of wonder if her relationship with Schwartz was bringing out a lot of her worst qualities because of the dynamic of that relationship where she was in a, a long-term relationship with a partner who wasn't on her side or defended her. And so she was constantly in defense mode. But something, one of my favorite things about the show is how your relationships with each of the characters on the show can vary so much season to season. Like one season you can love Stassi, one season you can fucking hate Stassi. Uh, same thing about the Toms. You're always kind of fluctuating between like how you're feeling about them based on like who they're with, how they're fucking up, what they're doing. Yeah, I think that for me is really interesting to see because, right, we all have moments in our life where you have an interaction with somebody and you're like, I am right and they are wrong. And that is that. And you watch these characters go from season to season and your 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 feelings on them swap because like you're not these people, there's not one person that's right all the time. And you can read a situation wrong, behave poorly, and then, you know, five episodes later, somebody's getting it right. And I think just the rawness of the fact that there isn't one, there isn't like specific villains or heroes. Yeah. They're all just like these incredibly deeply flawed drug addicts Probably alcoholics. Definitely alcoholics. Yeah. I want to circle back to Katie really quick if we can. I read an interesting thing. I don't know how I missed this, but recently, and maybe it's, I'm sorry. So my arc of watching the show, I watched episodes or seasons one through six and then watched season 10 because I couldn't take it anymore. And I want to watch these last few episodes with Mandy. So I can't quite figure out when this was, but Katie later on starts to talk about feeling more like herself and they show video of her with her jaw all wired together. She's got scars on her face. She fell through a skylight 25 feet and suffered like traumatic head injury on top of like needing facial reconstruction and like I don't know how many teeth she broke. She does, in fact, act like somebody who has had a traumatic head injury, the erratic behavior, the lashing out, the struggling, like the drinking. And it just, you know, I think that that can be a really easy thing to miss up until you see her suddenly like talking about how she's starting to feel more like herself again. And she's like, she's finding a a, a, um, a place of like homeostasis. And I think that that's been just being able to watch it each season in succession to see that unfold. And I think that's really sad for her to have like, and it's not to excuse behavior because bottom line, even if you are struggling with something, you are accountable for the hurt that you cause. But it's also worth noting, I think she deserves some grace and all of that just because I do kind of feel like she might've been recovering from like a traumatic brain injury (laughs) and really struggling to figure out on top of the relationships with Schwartz, like it just feels like there was a lot at play there. Um, and so seeing her come out of that and take, you know, to, to grow into where we've got this person now in season 10, like. Yeah. She's also in an environment that's extremely problematic. Oh my God. Probably not helping her recover from that injury. No, man. All I can think of watching this is like, these people drink so much. (laughs) And that doesn't change, which is shocking to me. I think that's really common for people in the restaurant industry, or I should say the restaurant bar industry. Interesting. Um, that's such, I mean, yeah, I don't live that lifestyle. Yeah. Like you work and then you go get drinks after your shift, or you get staying get drinks at where you, wherever you work after your shift. Or if you're a bartender, you drink while you're a bartender. <laughs> Maybe. Like, I think it's kind of, I mean, I'm not saying who everyone who works in the restaurant industry is an alcoholic, but I'm saying I tend to think that people who are in the service industry um, because they're working and hanging out with people also in that industry, it kind of 
lends itself to having more alcohol. Yeah. Um, do we, that's kind of like a, I guess, maybe a premise of Vanderpump Rules than a now. I do really want, quickly want to touch on Lisa. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel yeah. like Lisa is such an interesting, because she's very much a part of the show and the fact that she is the restaurant owner and she's kind of involved with like, you know, the staffing and the logistics. Every once in a while, it's really obvious that she gets involved for the sake of drama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the staff meeting in season one with Laura Lee and Stassi. Um, She's like, yeah, we're just going to air it all out yeah, now. Yeah, tell and it's me like- what happened in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, but so obviously these moments are very produced, right? And the show wants to take advantage of what's happening. Um, and Lisa probably wouldn't hold a staff meeting and demand that her staff tells her what went, went down in Las Vegas. But I think Lisa, Lisa does such an interest, interesting job of, she's really hard to read. You don't actually know, like, whose side Lisa's on. And she has this way of being kind of like the WeHo restaurateur Mary Poppins of the show. Like, somehow whatever Lisa s- says comes across as, like, I don't know, like, law. You know what I mean? Like, what, if Lisa says something, then that's how it goes. Which is a weird dynamic for these people to be so beholden to your boss at a restaurant, but then also recognizing that she's part of production yeah. of the show. And I do think it kind of, it actually really rubs me the wrong way because she seems more willing to defend the men's behavior oh, sure. and sort of just oh, boys will be boys. and Very old school. Yeah, and comes down so much harder on the women. And I, I just, ugh, I hate that. And yet, I also, there are things about Lisa that, like, I like. She's very um, eccentric. You know, she's got two ponies, two geese. Two swans. Swans, not geese. Ugh, geese are mean. Swans. The swans are really funny. Like, how many dogs? Way too many dogs. I don't know. That always makes me laugh, too. She's just, like, always carrying around these Pomeranians that are just sleeping. They're like little alien dogs. I They're want, not even a dog. I know. I want one. <laughs> I, I want a little Pomeranian <laughs> with alopecia that I can just put in ab- absurd suits and carry with me everywhere. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> R.I.P. Jiggy, who did not make it past 2020. But he, I think he was old. And yeah, I think life. he was really old. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Lisa, Lisa is a really interesting character in the show um, just because of the power that she holds. And like that everybody has to like confess to her. Yeah. And that actually doesn't change much in the show. No. Which is interesting because as the show progresses, people no longer work at Sir. Like Sir becomes less and less of a player. Um, I, in season 10, Raquel did work at Sir. And James is always kind of off and on doing See You Next Tuesday. But outside of that, people are no longer working at Sir. Well, as of season, so I just started season eight, and Jax is the only person currently employed other than, like, the, from the old guard. Um, Rachel now works there. James is still fired. Yeah. So, I mean, James is hit or miss. That, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> but um, it's interesting to me how Sir becomes, like, less of a player in the show, but Lisa kind of stays relevant in just with her connections with the people. I guess her business relationship with the Toms kind of cements that, which is probably why she allowed them to <laughs> own 5% of her Tom Tom restaurant. But I don't know. That's just interesting to me how her relationship with the cast stays really relevant despite the fact that they no longer work for her. Yeah, she's almost in a way, like a madam. I don't know. She's just, they still have to go through her. It's, it's weird. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Like, for me, it is just what it is, but it's a weird dynamic. Well, she's also the reason why they, the show exists and they're on the show. Absolutely. It's because Lisa's famous. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you better uh, play nice with Lisa. Yeah. Lisa also never seems as scary as she is built up to be by everybody. Stassi's always terrified to confront Lisa. And it makes me wonder what parts of Lisa we don't get to see. 
because based on everything that we see, she just, I don't know, she doesn't seem that scary to me, but then I have to remember that she also gets to like give final editing approvals on this show. And so I'm sure there's never going to be anything very damning on her part. I mean, she does part. do something. She does fire Kristen. <laughs> yeah, but that kind of just like <laughs> falls in line. Kristen actually for those moments definitely had it coming, but honestly at other points so is everybody else. I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe Lisa's the boat and you just don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I would be curious to hear people talk about Lisa, you know, 15 years from now when they're not under contract. <laughs> See how that all plays out. Well, th- she has very um, conflicting relationships with a lot of the women who were, were or are still on Beverly Hills Housewives. That's so, what I've heard. And I don't, I don't have any I mean, that's really this. loaded because all of those women have problematic <laughs> relationships. So I'm not saying like, oh, I, like that means anything. Like, for example, I know Lisa Rinna and... Lisa Vanderpump are always going at each other. Like even now, the last time that Lisa Vanderpump was on Watch What Happens Live, she made a dig at Lisa Rinna and she hasn't been on Beverly Hills Housewives in what, like four or five years. So there's some shit there. We just don't really know how deep all the shit goes, I guess. Yeah. Um, should we talk about what we like about Vanderpump Rules compared to other shows? Oh, I kind of feel like I did in just the fact that I liked that it started with this group of friends who already had relationships and there was already some pre-existing messiness that played well into a reality television show. I liked that they were just re- real people living in shitty apartments trying to make trying to make a way for themselves in Hollywood. Um, I love the aspect of working at a restaurant because if you've ever worked at a restaurant, you know how <laughs> incestuous and dramatic that is just in this, just in the fact that the setting kind of cultivates that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Also, every episode is like a 10 on the drama scale. 100%. And maybe that's why some people wouldn't like the show because it's too much, but it's just kind of like nonstop. For sure. Um, I guess on my end, what I really have enjoyed about it is how raw it is. That while, yes, it's produced, I think what we get to see is incredibly voyeuristic into people's lives. And I I don't want to speak so boldly, but I do think we like as, you know, human beings to see ourselves reflected back at us. And one of the things, for better or worse, that I enjoy about the show is finding people relatable at times in their messiness and being like, oh, okay, well, it's not just me that's losing my shit. Um, and, and being able to watch people navigate really sticky, tough situations. And I know the drama is amped up for the show. And obviously, like, we've heard of them doing retakes. There are things that happen to, to really make it more entertaining. But I think there is an element of just human messiness in it that draws me in personally that I like to watch and sort of taking a step back to acknowledge like I find all of these characters personally relatable. I have known people in my life that are like these people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I don't know, there's something validating about that. There's something really interesting about that, that I enjoy. Um, Also really quick on that. I do think that the earlier seasons are more raw. Oh, for sure. Like as the show progresses, it becomes more and more produced and you do, you can tell that there are relationships in the friend group that start to start to fracture. And I do think that there's always like two or three people who are actually friends on the show and hang out outside of filming. But as the show progresses, instead of everyone just kind of hanging out all the time, it's like, we have to have multiple parties. So everyone is with each other. And it kind of, the show is like creating these settings where everyone has to be in a room together and it kind of just creates drama because I think later on in the show, these people aren't actually friends. There are real problems. There are real grudges and as there should be. <laughs> yeah. And so in the beginning, you know, it's kind of like they're this big friend group. And then after all the shit, they start to break apart and the show has to get creative with how they're bringing these relationships back together. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I personally really connected with like 
Ariana, Lala, and Jax all lost their fathers really suddenly. Um, and that's something I felt so alone in when I lost my dad. And it was not something that ever really I had anybody to talk about that with. You know, my brother and I stopped talking because of all of this. And to watch particularly Lala and Jax also go through this process and like Lala's anxiety went through the roof after her dad died and her really struggling to be able to ground herself back on this earth just for me was like, okay, like I'm not behaving in the way that Lala is, but I find so much of that relatable and it was validating to be like, that makes sense that then I struggled for a significant amount of time after with extreme anxiety, Jack's, you know, his whole family falling apart as a result of his dad's death. And again, different circumstances. His mom lied to him about the situation with his dad. And yet they, you know, his dad and his mom did not have a good relationship. And there's a complication to that. I think also with James struggling to have a healthy relationship with his family and watching that dysfunction play out, even though that can feel like it's overly dramatic. I also feel like there's something very real in that and watching that happen, even though the show is produced and that they're like, especially more so now, I still find that kind of stuff really fascinating to watch. Um, I do think it kind of humanizes them. Yeah. Because like we all know, you know, we can just look at James and be like, okay, he's like an explosive tantrum throwing toddler that you know has anger issues and tra-la-la but then like when you start seeing his relationship with his mom and his relationship with his dad and kind of understanding some of those dynamics like again not excusing behavior but you kind of start to understand the person more yeah and I think for me what's so fascinating watching that is it gives you and like I am aware of this but also just being able to bear witness to it you realize like oh when somebody is being colossally shitty or things are going on, it's not necessarily just because they're a garbage human being. It's because like- There's a deeper issue. There's a deeper issue. And again, that's not to excuse behavior. If you cause harm, you are 100% responsible for that regardless of the reason. However, it is also just worth noting that like shit is really hard for people and it's not always what it seems. And, you know, it on at first we just think, oh, James's family is getting a divorce. And then you find out like, yeah, but his mom is weaponizing her bad relationship with, you know, James's dad against James. James is having to financially support his family. He's not allowed to speak up about the hurt that he's feeling. He's sort of like he's having to parent his younger brothers. His mom is just taking zero accountability. His dad bought him a beer to celebrate a sobriety. Like, yeah. fuck. That kid is not set up to succeed. And he is abusive and he is an asshole and he's got all these things. And yet you kind of see <laughs> the trajectory of how somebody got here. Yeah. And the, the like the benefits of therapy. <laughs> yeah. And actually – um, James' commentary on therapy in season 10 when Allie was like, first of all, big fan of Allie, um, James's new girlfriend. I don't know if they'll stay together because <laughs> I don't know if they make sense, but I really like how calm and just grounded she is and the fact that she calls James out on his really inappropriate behavior. But she has pushed therapy a couple of times and James, James alludes to therapy as being, um, what does he say? Like only... Only if your life is, like, completely falling apart. Yeah, Meaning, like, like, I don't need therapy. I'm fine. Like, um, let's just go watch back the last five <laughs> years. I can tell you, my guy, this is not fine. So it is, it's kind of crazy and hilarious that he has no self-awareness in that regard and that he doesn't think he needs therapy. Um, but if James and Allie stay together, I hope he continues to grow and listen to her because I think she could be really good for him. <laughs> I think she's great. I love that she just removes herself from situations where she's like, nope, I'm not going to be part of this. Like, I don't want to literally sit in the middle of James having an explosion with somebody yeah, else. And like, she'll say things like, you embarrassed yourself. Like, she just calls him out. <laughs> and you need somebody in your life that can be honest with you and still stand by you, but it doesn't mean they have to condone your behavior. And going back to what you were saying, um, thank you so much for sharing how you were able to relate with some of these people um, after your dad passing. I know that 
Lala was probably the most problematic after her dad died because of she was feeling like so much anger and she would drink and that anger would be amplified and that's when she would get in the worst fights and like ultimately that's why she became sober um but I remember like really struggling to like Lala during those scenes just because personally I couldn't relate to the like the grief or the emotions that she was experiencing but in hindsight it's a really interesting character arc for her to see like everything that Lala's been through and where we see her now yeah and I think again I, I wasn't a raging alcoholic, blackout drunk, didn't do drugs, but like my life fundamentally fell apart and I struggled to figure out relationships with my family, with Solomon. Um, and it was excruciating and I didn't always behave in a way that I felt best about, but it also, man, grief is such a powerful thing. And like, what makes watching Lala go through all of this is also her gaining the awareness and like she's going to therapy and it's not like you can just on a dime change the way that grief impacts you. It takes time, unfortunately. And I think what's been cool again about watching all of this in secession is watching Lala go through this and then, you know, having watched her in season 10 where she's sober, she has a really strong sense of self. She's, she's doing the work and it does take time. I didn't start feeling like myself again until very recently, like within the last few months where I'm like, oh damn, you can like step back and be like, okay, like grief never leaves you, but it's also not the driving force behind my, my actions and my behaviors. And I just, I have a soft spot for people like that. And I don't know. And maybe you can tell me this more too, but it was really interesting to watch Jax make a change after his dad died because that guy is a colossal piece of shit before and his dad dying. Like, I don't think he changed all of his behaviors, but he definitely had to come to Jesus after his dad died like that. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate that that's what it takes to, I guess, have that come to Jesus. It is. It's such an interesting conundrum. I mean, I think about that, not to make this all about me, but just kind of sharing personally, like I think about who I would be if my dad didn't die. And I don't even know if I can articulate that or have any idea just because it changed my, my, my path in life so much. And at the same time, like as much as it pains me, and obviously I'd rather have my dad, like I really am proud of who I am now. Like and and so it does suck that it takes something like that. But sometimes it does take something like that. You know, you need something to stop you and change your direction. And it sucks if it's a death, but also, you know, <laughs> you got to make the most of those things. So I don't know if Jack's behaviors actually stayed changed or if he is still mm -hmm. <laughs> a psychopath. <laughs> well, I, but, you know, Jax and Brittany leave the show. And then the last time I saw them, it was when they made an appearance on Watch What Happens Live. Like after the Scandaval came out. And man, I feel like Jackson skip a fucking beat. He was like <laughs> so thrilled to just like lean into Sandoval and be like, let me tell you all the dirt. Like, I swear he was gleeful. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I think that's one of those friendships that did not stand the test of time. Well, the show kind of shows the, um, their friendship dissolving. And so, you know, when he leaves the show that him and Tom Sandoval aren't on good terms, but just kind of, you know, Jax and Brittany pop up and it's Jax is just ready. He is just excited that, you know, for probably the first time in a long time on the show, he isn't the absolute villain and he gets to just like celebrate <laughs> Sandoval being in the limelight for shitty things. He's the number one guy now. Let me tell you how many affairs he's had. Oh my God, Jax, I, whew. and just to be clear, if anybody does not get to talk shit on affairs, it is Jax. I know, that's why it was kind of funny, like, are we really listening to Jax talk shit about Tom right now? Because if anyone doesn't really, I don't know. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Jax is married to Brittany. We like Brittany. Like, honestly, thank God for Brittany. Because otherwise, I don't know if there would be anything redeeming about Jax. Which also sucks because that's not the role of women to come no. in and, like, clean up men's lives. Okay, that kind of tells me what I need to know. Jax <laughs> maybe isn't the best person to view that with. But Lala, I do feel like. I'm totally team Lala. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, maybe Jax has grown. I guess they started what, 
So on Peacock, you can like rewatch Vanderpump Rules with commentary from Jackson Brittany. I haven't tried it at all, but uh, that to me would be kind of crazy because I don't. I don't trust Jack. Yeah, I was going to say, why do I want Jax's perspective on the show? Maybe he's like telling us things that happened that we don't know. But also, I think Jax is a liar. I think Jax is a liar, too. Clearly, he <laughs> so is. Like, this isn't even us true. speculating. Like, we know Jax is a liar. Jack, We have witnessed Jax lie and lie and lie and then eventually come clean. That's something that's really hard about the show is that, and they talk about this in the earlier seasons, but that the men protect each other so much. I think that's something if we want to kind of move into like more like specifically problematic stuff. Yeah. I think that is one of them. Like they have code. Oh my God. To next level pathological. Like this is disgusting. Like, like they'll go on these boys trips and do who knows what. And then they will just protect each other afterwards. And they've admitted that at various points. Like, just they, they're they not going to throw each other under the bus. Wasn't there a point where Schwartz admitted? Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember. Oh, it was when it came out that Faith and Jack slept together. And Tom is like, yeah, even if he did, I wouldn't tell anybody. And it's like, also, for one, it did happen. So shut the fuck up, Tom Schwartz. You don't know anything. But then also. So he was protecting him. Yeah. That's also. Yeah, it's garbage. And then that all trickles down into season 10 where, like, I am almost a million percent sure that Schwartz knew the entire time about the affair. And he has just been protecting Sandoval the entire goddamn time. Yeah. And it kind of feels like maybe now he's only willing to come clean because he realizes like we're not taking that shit anymore. And if you knew and went along with it, you're just as culpable. Like you, you're going to be hung out to dry too. Even then, I feel like you might be giving Schwartz too much credit. I feel like he's just along for the ride and making mistakes along the way. Um. (laughs) Man, I don't know. I have an issue. And this is like a personal thing of mine. I really think that men weaponize this dumb guy thing where they just play aloof and like aren't paying attention to work for them. And I don't buy it. Like when a guy who went to college, who's clearly doing well for himself is like living, I mean, they had to sell the home, but it was like a two, $3 million home. Yeah. Incompetence can get you far and so can mediocrity. But I also think that Schwartz really weaponizes that dumb guy thing personally. Like I, and I don't know, you've known these people longer than I have, but just like sort of my take, I just don't buy that he's that stupid. I think it's a combination of the two. Okay. I think um, it's boys code. I think it's being an alcoholic. I think it's realizing your entire identity is invested in your friendship with someone that you're in business with. I think it's saving yourself and in his mind, telling Ariana or telling anyone that was harder than not telling. Um, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I do think he's dumb and I, but I also think he's just Mm self-serving. So I'm just saying like, I'm sure there are moments where he's calculated and does things really intentionally, but I truly believe that all the shit that happened this season with Raquel and Schwartz, he was totally being a beard. He was totally on the same page with Tom Sandoval. He, I think that there was moments where he was kind of resenting Tom, which is where we hear a couple of those lines like, Raquel's I don't know. I, married men. Yeah, like that one or like, oh, and I think she might be into someone else or like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a couple like really... Squeezing squeezing Tom's balls and being like, don't mess with me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that there's like moments where we can tell he's a little aggravated with the situation he's involved in. But I don't know. He's also, he's so far up Tom Sandoval's asshole that I don't know how, if he knows how to get back out. And I think that is one of the really sad things to watch on this show generally is particularly Jax and Tom Sandoval. And I guess to an extent, Tom Schwartz, like, I don't know how much they are actually invested. Like, I guess I don't believe that Tom Sandoval actually gives that much of a shit about Schwartz or Raquel or that any of them are really worried about any other person than themselves. And like, I think for the women particularly, that has been so colossally damaging to witness over these seasons, the way that these guys treat them and get away with it. And then Lisa's just like, ah, but boys will be boys. You know, it's, That's really sad to me because friendships, 
romantic relationships, you always want that to be two-sided and to watch that not be reciprocated and people lash out as a response to that is, is kind of a bummer. I loved James lashing out at Lisa Vanderpump and calling her out for defending the Tom. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and like I do, and I think Ariana talked about that in the reunion of like, she's not going to tell Lisa Vanderpump how to do business. And Lisa Vanderpump is invested in Tom and Tom with Tom and Tom. And yeah. like her hands are a little tied in that sense. But like, to be fair, she's also rich enough. She can just back out. You know, I don't know. It's weird to me. And I do. I'm with you. I love that James called her out. I do wish James would have shut up a couple of times because I really wanted to hear Tom's answers. That's fair. But also, I'm so glad that like somebody was just there to call out how absurd it was that anybody would jump to their defense. Well, sometimes I do feel like Lisa plays devil's advocate, especially for the men. Um, but really quick, going back to the Tom caring, Tom Sandoval caring about Tom Schwartz. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think the only... I think they actually used to be really close friends, but I think it has dissolved to Tom Sandoval now understands that he needs Tom Schwartz because of the business opportunities that they have together being the Toms. Yeah. And so I think that that friendship is only lucrative because Tom is using Schwartz for what Schwartz brings to his business. Right. That's kind of another interesting point. So I, I've not watched all of the reunions because… I'm trying to get through content and the reunions just feel like everybody's screaming at each other. But I felt compelled to watch season seven reunion and everybody got onto Lala for not sharing everything on the show. And they kind of all collectively collectively agreed that they were- Everything being her relationship with Randall. Randall, which now if you want to watch on Hulu, there's a documentary. Did you watch it? I haven't yet. I haven't either. Um, it turns out Randall is a lying piece of shit and a really- awful, awful human. And, but at the time, Lala was really into him. And we don't know if Lala didn't want him on the show, if Randall didn't want to be on the show, who knows what's going on there. But it's really fascinating to me watching all of them have that debate about what should be shown and what, you know, that they're all giving it their all. And I do find that such a a weird element. It is both what makes the show so engaging and also incredibly problematic is that these people do feel so compelled to share everything and that we are bearing witness to friendships. But yeah, it also has, in a sense, turned into this is their career and they have to figure out how to leverage that, stay on the show, make it dramatic. You know, I don't, I don't want to judge people for being on reality TV as a consumer of reality TV because I'm benefiting from it, but it also is just painful sometimes to realize that it does feel like maybe people are selling their souls and giving up a little bit too much to be in business like this. Yeah, sell your soul to the devil. Yeah, and Tom and or Tom's Lisa Vanderpump. Pump. Lisa, yeah, <laughs> or Stassi. Yeah. Oh, yes. Don't forget it. I am the devil. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. She was serious. Um, so that's always such a, that's been a really wild thought that's just been knocking around in my head the last few days. And then listening to Tom Sandoval's interview of being mad that there were things Ariana didn't want to share, but then he's not willing to share. It's just a weird give and take of like what gets put on the show and what doesn't. That's fair. So I don't know. And the friendships are just as interesting to me as any of the romantic relationships. Oh, personally. Yeah. Like I... <laughs> If maybe not more so, I would say, just because they have the ability to be a little bit more complex and convoluted. Totally. So. Do we want to talk about a few of our favorite moments before we wrap up? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I'll start with my number one. And I specifically told Jess about this scene when I knew that she was starting to watch season six. But I was like, okay. <laughs> season six, episode seven. It's not about the pasta. That scene, I, I die, I die. I could not screaming this on the street over that and it's over again. Not about the pasta. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just tickles me so much. And I don't know if it's because it was literally about wasn't it Raquel stealing some of Lala's noodles or vice versa? I think Lala ate Raquel's. Like Raquel offered to share, and then Lala just like ate it all. And 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 Lala's like, yeah, I'm really sorry that I ate the pasta. And James is like, it's not about the pasta. 
And she kind of keeps going, and then he screams. Like, it's not about the again. pasta. And to be fair, I get where they're both coming from. I like. I would be fuming if I was like, "Here, have a bite of my pasta," and then somebody proceeded to eat all my pasta. Jess I, would probably rage. I don't. I would never get over it. I would podcast about it for the rest of my life. Like don't someone do that to Jess. ate my pasta. And on the flip side, I totally get what James is saying because, like. The pasta is just a representation of the lack of respect that Lala has for. Totally, Raquel. Yeah, and like Raquel, Rachel. Um, and so like it just was a bizarre thing where you see where both sides are coming from, but they're just absolutely talking past each other. It's not about the pasta. Oh my God. Okay, that's mine. What What is one of your favorites? Um, For me, it is absolutely season one. It was wild. Jax and Stassi are still dating. And Kristen, I think it was Kristen and Tom, sat down to have brunch with them. And Jax and Stassi just start going in on each other. And they're arguing. And Stassi explains that she's really upset that Jax just gets up and leaves, like, at night after a fight, just leaves. And she doesn't know where he goes. And she's fuming at him. He's like, well, yeah, why would I get into bed with the devil? And she looks him dead in the eyes and she's like, I am the devil and don't you forget it. <laughs> so good. Dude, she Stassi. meant that. Like, I will forever, like, she's incredibly problematic. She got let go of the show for really racist behavior. I don't know if she's ever apologized for that. Can't comment on that. But that line was, she has. okay, good to know. That, that was, that was fucking epic. Um, yes, as problematic as she is, Stassi is like golden television. You know, she tells it like it is, and she does not have bad reads a lot of the times. Like, even if you just want to throttle her, she's some. She's a lot of the times, like, not That's wrong. That's what I'm saying. She's, like, 23, and she's crazy, but she's grounded in reality, and, like, you you kind of agree with where, where she's coming from most of the time. Right. Like, she had to explain to Tom Sandoval that the reason he and Kristen fight all the time, and he views it as fighting over dumb stuff. It's not about the things they're fighting about. It's about... The, the, the like cracks in their relationship yes. and that they need to get to that. And neither Tom nor Kristen could like really understand that. But Stasi was like so spot on in that moment. And it's wild to like watch all of these little nuggets of like, that's actually really good advice. I mean, and it's, it's hard because you're like, how can you be this sensible, but also be in a relationship on and off with Jax Taylor? <laughs> but um, you know, do as I say, my, not as I yeah, do. In my early 20s, I had my fair share of volatile, crazy relationships where you're addicted to the highs and lows. And so I also get it. I absolutely like this guy who treated me like garbage and it did not stop me from falling back into it every time he texted me oh, exactly. or I ran into him. And it's just like I knew, but also I was not going to listen. So, yeah, been there, done that at 23. Absolutely. Yeah, you you get addicted to the drama. You get addicted to winning him back. You get addicted to the thrill of like when the gonna, love is good. Yeah, the love is are good. Are we gonna see each other again? Like, I don't know. There's a lot there. Yeah, and especially if you're all in the same friend group and you're exposed to this person over and over again. Yeah, that is a that is a wrinkle for sure. Um. Okay. Let's see another one of mine. Um. I'm going to say Stassi backhanding Kristen after she found out that she slept with Jax. And this was when Kristen was still dating Tom Sandoval. And apparently <laughs> it happened in Kristen and Tom's apartment while Kristen and Jax were watching the movie Drive and Tom Sandoval was asleep in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> Just You can't make that shit up. Yeah. I'll try not. I, I don't want to digress. I have so many things about that that we should talk about next week. But... Yeah, that was I and I was stunned that she backhanded Kristen. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think that was actually a good move on her part at all. I also understand being filled with so much rage over a situation that like I don't know. It was an amazing episode just because you're like what is happening right now? Did she really just hit her? <laughs> well, they also did a good job capitalizing on that in season seven where Stassi talks about having to like she's in a video game and they talk about her like defeating her enemies kind of in video game style and then she goes up against the final boss which is Lisa Vanderpump 
But like <laughs> they show her backhanding Kristen as an enemy that she vanquishes. Um, to be fair, Kristen, they're all friends. Like I don't know how, but I think in some form or another, all of these women are still. I actually don't know about Kristen and, and Stassi, but I know that Katie and Stassi are still friends. And I know that Kristen and Katie are still friends, but I'm not sure about Stassi and Kristen. Oh, that's fair. Because in the later seasons, um, Kristen and Stassi and Katie start a wine company called the Witches of WeHo. We yeah, which I love. Um, and I, I thought it was really cute. But their friendship ended up dissolving and the wine company is no more. I think it's back. I just, because I went looking for this yesterday because they put the wine bottles, it was a very good product placement. They put the bottles up in oh, the reunion and something as of like not that many weeks ago. That's interesting. Like so less than a year maybe for sure. They've, maybe, yeah, maybe they're good. But I know that it, there was beef there and that's why the wine company stopped. Interesting. Okay, well- that also tracks for me. Like, if you're not friends, by all means, that I, I understand that. Um, I think an iconic moment um, for me is just Jax showing how stupid Jax actually is. Like, Jax is manipulative and good at being manipulative, but he is also dumb in terms of just so dumb. So dumb. And he wants to win Stassi back. This is in season one. Um, and he gets a tattoo on his arm and also gets a tattoo of her name on his arm. And he's getting ready to go on this date. This is after they're broken up, by the way. And he's putting on this white button-up shirt with a fresh tattoo, and it starts to leak through the shirt. And he takes the shirt off. And he's like, oh, I ruined my custom Gucci shirt. And Tom Sandoval, who pretends that he's got like, is the the fashionista of this group, goes, it's custom. And Jax is like, yeah, the guy at the store helped me pick it out. <laughs> you can't make that shit up. And I had to rewind it and be like, did I just hear that? And like, <laughs> I think that just encapsulates his stupidity so much. And I, I just really love that line from Jax. Like, oh, right. This is somebody that is actually stupid. No. Definitely not the smartest. No, not at all. Um, I'll take it to a Jax moment where Brittany finds out that I think they're engaged at this point and she finds out that Jax cheated on her and there's just an infamous Brittany moment where she tells him to rot in hell. They're not engaged. They're not engaged? No, but she does tell him okay. to rot in hell. It's pretty far along in their relationship though. It is. For <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> but that moment is pretty good. Yeah. I realized now watching some of their behavior, they have got to be on cocaine or mushrooms or other things going on at certain oh, points sure. in this because I'm like, this is incredibly erratic behavior, but Jack's particularly. <laughs> Kids, don't do drugs. Not hard drugs anyway. Like, not a good idea. Um, I don't know if I've got, I will say, I guess I, one of my moments in um, season seven, the episode is called FOMO in Mexico. And this is when Bo finally pegs down that Stasi has a dark passenger. And Stasi later goes and gets it exercised, which is also hilarious to me that like that's her version of dealing with shit. Like rather than go to therapy, no, just go see a witch and get that, get that shit out Stassi. of there. Very Stasi. But Bo is later <laughs> explaining to everybody, oh, because he does end up convincing Stasi to go skinny dipping with the girls, even though she didn't want to. And she was mad at Bo for having FOMO and like wanting to go hang out with people. And he just like looked at her and was like, yeah, <laughs> you're mad at me for wanting to go have fun. And I'm sad that I'm missing out on fun. You're mad at me about that. <laughs> and like, I just love that because it was so absurd and so quintessential Stassi to be mad about that. And you understand that like She's been cheated on so many times. She's made really bad choices with men and being in relationships with them. So I understand that what she's actually getting at is not that Bo wants to go have fun. It's that Bo wants to be out till two, three in the morning and she doesn't and she can't trust that he will yeah. be faithful. But it was just Bo's kind of initial reaction to just being like, you're mad that I have FOMO <laughs> was epic to me. Just like amazing. Or when she told him that he couldn't wear overalls. 
also so funny watching her go through that description of like, that's where she draws the line. I love overalls. I don't know if I made that clear when I had texted you that. Like I personally, I own many pairs of overalls. I also own overalls. Um, and if Saul wanted to wear overalls, I would be all about that. I think that overalls are probably a little bit more trendy now than they were when Bo was wearing them in this show. Um, <laughs> and Stassi really cares about fashion. Yeah, so she- I just find it delightful that that was a problematic moment in their relationship. He took it in stride. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was really good. Um, I have a whole list of iconic moments in season 10, but we will save that, I think, for when we dig deeper into Scandaval next week. Okay. I love that. Let's save them. Yeah. Um, anything else that you want to say about Um, I'm Pools? just thrilled that Jess was willing to watch the show and that we are talking about it right now and that we're going to talk about it next week and that we're going to watch um, part two and three of the reunion and yeah. just got us awesome matching t-shirts that say <laughs> Sandoval's a liar. <laughs> yeah, I was so delighted when I found that. <laughs> so we're in full Vanderpump mode. I made pump teenies for the first time last week and they turned out awesome. I don't even like vodka. Um, well, but you yeah. put enough sugar in vodka. I mean, it's delicious. Well, it's the problem with vodka candy. is you just can't taste it. Yeah. And that's why I don't trust it. But um. I don't know. I'm thrilled to just enjoy this moment that we're in and lean into it and talk about it and share it with you guys on the podcast and, you know, just eat, drink VPR right now. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thanks for this. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Drama Bonded is produced and hosted by Jessica Brumbaugh and Mandy Booth. Our production manager and editor is Solomon Brumbaugh. Our theme music is by Joe Waters. You can find more of his music streaming on the EP, Jupiter Daywatch. Music vocals by Mandy Booth. Graphic designer is Pigeon House. Special thanks to everybody who's listening, posting, and emailing us. We love it. Keep talking. Bye.